AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast. I am Ryan Wormley. Usually in my intros, I say I am joined by a couple of analysts. Today, I feel like I am joining a couple of analysts, Pat Fitzmorris and Scott Bogman, graciously allowing me to join the Dynasty Show. It is our first episode back here as we are into the offseason here in 2024. Fitz, you just couldn't get enough of me podcasting on the regular football show. You needed me on the Dynasty one as well, right? That's exactly it, Worm. And, uh, you know, like we, Bogman and I, I thought we were a pretty good two-piece uh, for a Dynasty podcast. Maybe we weren't the white stripes of Dynasty podcasters, but we were at least like the black keys, I'd like to think. But now uh, we are a three-piece. We are the rush of Dynasty podcasts, the police of Dynasty podcasts, the Husker Du of Dynasty podcasts. Like, hopefully it is a fuller richer listening experience for our dynasty enthusiasts out there uh i i knew a couple of those bands husker do i can't claim to have any knowledge of <laughs> what about the husker don'ts you know, I, those, I, I, no. I don't have the foggiest idea, but Bogman, I appreciate you uh, letting me join as well. We we don't podcast on a regular basis quite as much as Fitz and I do, but i'm excited to talk some dynasty with you here going forward, buddy. Yeah, I mean, they wanted, they said to me, look, enough of the Steelers talk. We're going to have to put a Ravens fan on here to balance <laughs> you out. So this is your your, pen, your penance uh, here. So, uh, But it, it's all right. We are a rare breed of Steelers and Ravens fans that get along and understand each <laughs> other uh, because we're both kind of the same level of psycho, I feel like, about our team. So, you know, I, I think that balances us out. And I got to say, Fitzy, I'm just so fat. When you said two-piece to three-piece, all I could think <laughs> about was chicken. So that, I was not thinking <laughs> fans at all so uh yeah i was thinking about some kfc mail or something but uh yeah the, the three piece always better than two piece well, uh, in my opinion w- whether so. we're talking chicken music or football we will have some fun here on this show and for everybody who's wondering like oh hey what about you know having thor on as a guest or some of our outside guests like cody or you know whoever that'll still happen i'll step aside whenever we have those guests come on we want to get some expertise from uh from elsewhere but i will be on most shows going forward also i will mention there's a chance because of scheduling purposes i'm not on next week's show i want everybody to know that and not think i was just fired after the first episode (laughs) because i did such a bad job so if i'm not on next week it's for scheduling reasons and nothing else at least that's my story and i'm sticking to it today after one episode can you guys (laughs) believe it (laughs) exactly today we were talking about some uh some tiers here we're talking about the running backs here some dynasty tiers as we sit here in mid-january obviously this stuff is very subject to change as the offseason progresses as we get here through the next several months. But taking a snapshot of the tiers as they stand here in the middle of January, we're talking about where we disagree, where we do agree, what the staff rankings might look like compared to the expert, you know, industry consensus rankings. We'll run through it all here. We're going to end with some rookie talk at the end too. So we're not going to sprinkle them into the rankings just yet, but we'll talk about some rookies here to wrap up the show. If anybody's wondering, you can find all of our early 2024 consensus rankings and tiers at fantasypros.com slash rankings. You can navigate to the dynasty rankings there, staff rankings. You can look at redraft whatever you want to do again that's fantasypros.com slash rankings Boggs before we jump in I actually asked this to Fitz when we were doing our redraft tiers show I want to get your opinion here too and obviously from the dynasty perspective what is your approach to ranking players in January are you trying to do a lot of projection in terms of I think the situation will change because I think this team is going to draft a quarterback or this team is going to add a wide receiver in free agency or are you trying to say as of right now again this sort of snapshot in time this is where the rankings stand how do you approach ranking players right now in this point in the offseason. I try to do mainly uh, what I think is going to be happening this season. So if there's a coaching change, if there is a personnel change, if there is, like you said, a big move at other parts, maybe a quarterback that makes the whole system go, uh, something like that. I try to take that into consideration at least a little. uh, But I would say that right now is probably 
50% offensive contacts, especially if nothing is changing, like nothing's going to change in San Francisco, right? So CMC is going to be way up there. But if we are going to see significant changes, I try to take those into account. And there's a lot of unpredictability right now, which is why you at the top said, look, these are subjects to change, right? If something changes in you know, it makes a big drastic difference, then obviously we are going to adjust for that. But I think for the most part right now, it's skill. It's what I think they can do in a three-year window. That's how I like to do my dynasty rankings for the most part. It's a three-year window to me with the edge going to the future, right? So I will lower some of those guys, those older guys down, but not as much as maybe some other people do. So um, I, I try I try to keep it as balanced as I can, but it is a difficult task in January, like you said. Yeah, Fitz, we talked about that a bit on the main show a couple weeks ago with you, me, and Debro. Does your approach change for Dynasty compared to what your answer was when we were talking about the early redraft rankings? I mean, a little bit. Like, we're still in Dynasty, I guess we're less concerned about maybe positional log jams or maybe there's a receiver we really like who's not playing with a great quarterback because there is time over the course of a young player's career where things can straighten out. Maybe the log jam clears above that player at the position or that team gets a better quarterback. Uh, if not, you know, the coming year, maybe the year after that. So we're a little less worried about where a guy stacks up on the depth chart or what his supporting cast looks like, I think. All right. With that preamble out of the way, let's jump into the actual tiers here. We're going to start right at the very top, and this will be similar tiers to how we do the redraft shows. we got the S tier at the top, A, B, C, D, and F. So we'll run through sort of the top six tiers. Again, we're working based off the expert you know, industry consensus rankings, uh, and we'll sort of reference where the staff rankings might differ from that here as we get through. Again, subject to change here. But right at the top, we've got four names in the S tier. Number one, B. John Robinson, unsurprisingly. Number two, Brees Hall. Number three, Christian McCaffrey and number four Jameer Gibbs so Boggs before we dive into these players specifically just overall thoughts on this top tier I mean three really young guys plus Christian McCaffrey who's obviously the redraft RB1 right now what do you make of these first four names yeah I mean this is the the tip of the spear right so I'm gonna add another guy in here to this tier but uh, these are all young productive I mean Christian McCaffrey is an otherworldly beast he's the only uh, 90s baby in this group here the rest are all uh, born after 2001 uh, and later so um, but yeah these are the guys that are irreplaceable because of their skill and um, the fact that these guys can all get 300 touches and no one would bat an eye yeah, it feels weird talking about Christian McCaffrey as the old guy when he's four years younger than I am. Just talking about professional athletes is the greatest way to feel old, uh, if anybody was ever hoping <laughs> to do that. Fitz, what are your sort of initial thoughts on this, this foursome? Yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I think these are the elites and and they all belong here. Um, pretty much great draft capital for Bijan, Brees, Jameer Gibbs, uh, McCaffrey, so established. And maybe as the shorter window, but McCaffrey's current production is just such that you cannot leave him out of this tier. Now, you alluded to this Bogman, but who is the player that you think belongs in this tier as well? I'm still a Jonathan Taylor guy, and this is still a dude that can carry a full workload, in my opinion. I know he had injury stuff and contract stuff this year, and that was that is concerning. So I don't hate him being in the lower tier, but this is a guy that's already been RB1, and I think he's still young enough to do it again. And I think, you know, I don't know, a lot of people are worried about Anthony Richardson next year, uh, maybe usurping some uh, touchdowns from him. I don't know, maybe are they going to do the tush push with him all the time? Is that just going to be what he does? Or are you going to give it to your big running back who should be taking the hits because you've already lost Anthony Richardson for a big chunk of a season. So I, I think that that's going to balance itself out. So I would stick Jonathan Taylor back into this top tier group, but I understand the trepidation. Fitz, I'm surprised you don't have Jonathan Taylor in your top four, considering that he is a badger. Are, is it just that these four names are so good that they're kind of unassailable to you? Or do you have any you know trepidation about ranking Taylor in this tier? I mean, I agree with Boggs that he should probably be in this tier. At least there's a strong case. The last time we saw him healthy for a full season, 2021, Taylor was the RB1 overall, regardless of scoring format, PPR, standard, whatever. Um, and yeah, I mean... Maybe there's not a lot of pass-catching upside with Taylor, especially with Anthony Richardson, a mobile quarterback. We know mobile quarterbacks tend to run it themselves rather than dump off when they're in trouble. Um, but at the same time, 
Yeah, maybe Richardson runs a lot and poaches some goal line touchdowns, but think of all the read option stuff they can do and how that is going to spike Taylor's rushing efficiency if linebackers have to hesitate for a second because they don't know whether the ball uh, that Anthony Richardson has just put in Jonathan Taylor's breadbasket is going to stay there or if he's going to pull it out and run himself. So, um, you know, I think Boggs and I have talked about this before. It it comes to mind with Robert Griffin the third and Alfred Morris when RG3 had that spectacular rookie year and Alfred Morris that year averaged like 5.4 yards per carry and was like, and a, he's not even good, you know, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and uh, like Jonathan Taylor's 10 times the player that uh, Alf Morris was. So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited about this. Taylor's still only he Taylor turns 25 on, I think, January 19th, which might be the day a lot of people are consuming this show. So happy birthday, Jonathan Taylor. Yes, yeah, still very young and still very good. Yeah, one last question here just in this group, and and let's set aside CMC for a second, Bogman. Of the three young guys, and again, they're all relatively young, but of the of Bijan, Brees Hall, and Jameer Gibbs, who's the guy that you are most worried about maybe losing value? There's some uncertainty to the situations of each guy. Obviously, head coaching change for Bijan Robinson. Jameer Gibbs likely to lose the offensive coordinator from Detroit when he gets hired away. Brees Hall, questions about you know Aaron Rodgers aging, coming off of a brutal injury. So there's some uncertainty around all three of these young guys are any of them you worried about losing value in the next season not really I mean you know I I think even with Bill Belichick and knowing that you know the Falcons are seriously considering him you know it hasn't been announced yet but it seems like the writing is on the wall there that he's going to be the the new head coach of the Falcons we know he likes to use two backs but I I also think that he can recognize when you know who the best players are and get the football to him it's something he couldn't do uh, in New England because he couldn't evaluate players anymore, right? It seems like maybe that's it. But he he's dropped in to a, a team with these unbelievable playmakers. I think he's going to know to get the, the ball to Bijan. So I think there's a little concern there with him. But I'm really not worried about any of these guys. I guess if you're asking me my biggest concern between the three of them, it would probably be Brees Hall getting hurt again, to be honest. But, I, you know, he looks so good this year coming off of his major injury. I think he's going to be fine. So I don't really have a lot of worry for these guys. No more than I do. You know, the baseline worry for a running back is already pretty high because they all get hurt. Uh, but no more than a normal uh, baseline worry. Yeah, well, that's kind of baked in when you're talking about running backs in Dynasty. Yeah. Uh, Fitz, quickly, same question. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I Boggs answered it perfectly. I don't think I have anything more to add. All right, let's move on here. But but first, I want to mention the perfect draft we are putting on right now. Our goal every year, of course, is a perfect draft. But what if I told you you could attempt a perfect draft for the 2023 season right now? Can you draft the perfect 2023 team? Enter the perfect draft challenge at fantasypros.com slash perfect draft. It's a 12-team half PPR draft with best ball style scoring. Aim for the top of our leaderboards and a chance to win a five-year subscription to Fantasy Pros. Go to fantasypros.com slash perfect draft and start drafting now but you have to hurry the contest closes february 1st again in case you didn't hear me a five-year subscription you could win which is awesome so go to fantasypros.com slash perfect draft for that Let's go to the A tier here. Jonathan Taylor is at the top of this tier as RB5. Then we've got Travis Etienne, Devon Achan, Kyron Williams, and Kenneth Walker. Fitz, I want to start with you. Are these the correct five names for the second tier, even if you might be able to quibble with the order? I do think they are the correct five. And, uh, you know, like unless we are putting Jonathan Taylor in the S tier, otherwise I think we have this tier exactly correct. Boggs, what do you think? I would add one more guy again, uh, you know, um, we'll talk about him in the next segment, though. So and then I understand I'm much higher on that guy and I have an unrealistic expectation for him. So, uh, you know, I think this is about correct. Yeah. Quibble with the order a little, but I like this group. So kind of the reverse question that I asked in the last year of who might lose value, which of these I'm actually say which of these four names, because I think we all agree Jonathan Taylor is at the top. So which of the other four, which again is Kyron Williams, Devon A. Chan, Travis Etienne, and Kenneth Walker, which of those guys has the best chance of vaulting into the S tier next season, Fitz? I think it's A. Chan. Uh, we didn't really get a good handle on what A. Chan's usage is going to look like. He was coming off a preseason shoulder injury to start the season, so he didn't play at all in week one and barely played in week two. He also landed on IR at midseason with a knee injury. 
when he played, there were a couple of games where he had 20 or more touches. There were a couple games uh, where he was in the 8 to 12 touch range. I don't know where he's going to stabilize because like it was kind of unexpected that we, we got a full season of good health from Raheem Mostert. But there was that game in week 17 where Mostert didn't play and the Dolphins played the Ravens. Never mind that the, the Dolphins got their doors blown out in that game. But I think A-Chan's usage in that game was kind of in the sweet spot of what we'd like. He had 14 carries, four receptions, 137 total yards and a touchdown. That seems like it's the sweet spot because, I mean, we're greedy. In season, we want our guys getting as many touches and as they can get. But Achan is 188 pounds. I'm not sure we want him to get Kyron Williams-type usage if we want him around for a full season. Is it Achan for you too, Boggs? I mean, I hate to keep giving the Aggie credit here, but it has to be. You know, it just it just absolutely has to be. And Fitz and I talked about this all offseason with Achan, right? It's that he's got this otherworldly speed. How is any he, he carried a full load of Texas AM. So uh he stayed fairly healthy there. We know he can do it got hurt in at the NFL. And like Fitz said, we don't want to overuse him at, in his slight frame. Um, you can get unbelievable MVP type seasons like Austin Eckler has had for that. But you see what is happening with Eckler right now. He's slowing down significantly. So to extend his career, I think a 14 to 15 touch guy tops per game is probably what we have in him, but he is still just learning this position. And this offense is built so ready for him specifically to take advantage of that speed when you have Tyreek and Waddle and everybody working over the middle there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think the only three guys average more points than him in half PPR, right? Wasn't it McCaffrey, Kyron, and his teammate Raheem Mostert? So, uh, yeah, I think A-Chan is the guy to move up here, uh, if anybody. And, and the staff rankings reflect that, too. Erickson is the odd man out. He's got him RB10 in his dynasty rankings. Everybody else, you two and Zebro, has a Marby six. So you guys are all kind of in lockstep. It's just Erickson dragging down his ranking a bit. The other, the other guy I wanted to ask about just while we're in this tier, Kenneth Walker. I mean, he's somebody that people were really excited about. Then the Seahawks drafted Zach Charbonnet in the second round, and it kind of threw a wrench into the works. But he kind of held off Charbonnet, right, Boggs? I mean, this is still seems like his backfield, and he's still a worthy guy to be in this A tier. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that if you ask me the question from the first year of who am I worried about falling off, and it wouldn't really be because of Kenneth Walker's ability. I think he's one of the best running backs in the NFL, and you saw it at the collegiate level when you know he's facing nine-man boxes at Michigan State because they couldn't throw the ball, and he was still getting the job done. That's just incredible, and you can see the flashes of it. It's been a little banged up, and Charbonnet's there, so I do worry about him, but in terms of skill, I think he's the best in this group. So uh, outside of uh, we all agree, Taylor should be moved up. I think he's the best skill wise in this group, but he does have competition, obviously a new head coach coming into Seattle as well. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in the split. But I think Walker is too good to be ignored. Let's move to the B tier here. It starts off with Saquon Barkley at RB10, then Rashad White, James Cook, Josh Jacobs, Isaiah Pacheco, and DeAndre Swift. Again, these are the expert consensus rankings. This is for half PPR, by the way. Or actually, no, I'm sorry. It's for full PPR that we're working off of here. Um, again, Saquon, Rashad White, James Cook, Josh Jacobs, Isaiah Pacheco, DeAndre Swift. Now, Saquon is the guy that Boggs thinks should be a tier higher. I want to actually start with Fitz and make the case against Saquon being moved up <laughs> before we move to Bogman. He has gotten less and less efficient as a pass catcher to the point where his pass catching efficiency is actually sort of alarmingly bad um, now. So, like, I, I worry if that doesn't come back, if he's ever going to be great without getting this massive volume that puts him at, like, increased risk of injury, which is what we saw this past year. Like, when Saquon had his big games, it was because he was getting, like, close to 30 touches. Um it, I'd like to see a more sustainable workload, but for him to do that and still produce at a top tier level, he's going to have to be like a better pass catcher. And I don't know if that explosiveness in the passing game is coming back. Like we just, we haven't seen it for so long. It's been like four or five years now. In the staff rankings, Saquon is RB11, RB12, RB12, and then RB9 from guess who, Bogman. Yeah, look, I still believe in Saquon, and I understand that the pass-catching explosiveness hasn't been there, but name me the other good player on the Giants' offense. 
Crickets. Can't yeah, do there's that. none, but <laughs> um... there's none. But okay, but he's a free agent. Put him in Houston, right? Devin Singletary's a free agent. It's obvious that Damian Pierce is not going to be the guy there. Put Saquon in Houston, and now the the there's not nine man boxes because CJ Stroud is amazing. So I want to see where Saquon ends up. I don't want to judge him based on, you know, I don't know if everyone loves PFF. I like PFF. I know JJ Watt doesn't like him, uh, but you know, their run blocking was like 29 and their pass blocking was 27. They are a bad offensive line with bad quarterbacking and no really great skill position players. They thought bringing in Darren Waller, well, guess what? Darren Waller got hurt. Jalen Hyatt didn't develop fast enough. They had no quarterbacking as Tommy DeVito running the ball was winning them games. So I don't want to base my opinion on Saquon Barkley around this ugly offense that hopefully he won't be playing uh, in next year. So I think if you put Saquon on a good team, if you put him on, you know, somehow Minnesota or you put him on, uh, on Houston or a decent offense, doesn't even have to be a good offense, just an OK offense. I think he, he boosts his value immensely for the next couple of years. So. I'm still going to be in on Saquon, depending on landing spot. Look, if he sticks back with the Giants and is still garbage, I'm going to move him down. I will. I promise everyone. I will move him down. But if he ends up in a good offense, I'm just going to be too excited to lower him much more than where I have him. So I'm not going to move. He won't go above nine. I could say that uh, pretty firmly. But I, I was I was going to ask that. Like, let's say mm-hmm. magically he ends up on the Texans, for example. Right. Wh- where would he go in, in tier two? But it sounds like still kind of the back of that second tier for you. Yeah, I don't think I could get him ahead of of Kyron because Kyron is three years younger and, you know, he he plays on for Sean McVay. So I just don't think I could do it. I think I have Saquon as high as I can get him and I'll lower him based on where he goes. Oh, another player I want to talk about in this tier is Rashad White. Again, he's RB11 here in the consensus rankings. The staff rankings have him all over the place. Bogman has him 13th, Fitz has him 10th, Debro has him 21st, and Erickson has him 5th. So there is no consensus. It kind of averages out to where he is in ECR, but there is no clear consensus here among among the Fantasy Pro staff, at least. Fitz, what do you make of Rashad White? You're kind of you're the second highest, but kind of in that middle range on, on where he ended up. What do you think about White? Yeah, and I could make a case for putting him lower, I think, because he he's just a really hard guy to rank because he showed that he could handle this massive workload, but at the same time, 3.6 yards per carry. And I know yards per carry is like a really bad stat generally, but um, there just weren't that many times where he efficiently carried the Buccaneers running game a la Kyron Williams or some of these other like more efficient, more successful backs. So I don't know. I like, I like the versatile skill sets, the, the run catch capability. Um, I, I think he's a pretty good player. I just don't know if he's going to be the workhorse indefinitely for Tampa or if they're going to look to bring in someone else to lighten his load. Bogman, on Rashad White, you are eight spots higher than Debro and eight spots lower than Erickson. <laughs> if I forced you to change your ranking to mirror one of theirs, would you rather rank White 21st or 5th? 21st. I don't think he's good enough to be in, in that top five in terms of skill. I think he's a very skilled running back, but I also think that he fits perfectly for this Tampa Bay offense. I really do because they want to throw the ball. And this was the thing coming in. You know, I know they switched off Tom Brady. You go from the goat to Baker Mayfield. Obviously there's going to be a large drop off, right? But they didn't change the offense. The offense is the same and it really works out well for Rashad white. So as long as everything's status quo in Tampa Bay, Baker Mayfield is good enough to get it done. And someone better than him would improve this offense, obviously. So I think for what Rashad White is doing in this offense, he's the best RB2, I think, right now in terms of dynasty. You know, like Fitz said, maybe Dave Canales gets hired somewhere else and uh, as a head coach because he's getting interviews and maybe they change the offensive system. I would lower Rashad White because of that. I, I don't think I could get him any higher than where I have him because I do think he fits perfectly for this offense right now. Fitz, you and Boggs are both actually higher on Josh Jacobs than consensus by a few spots. What's your optimism coming from on Jacobs? Still young, came into the league at a really young age. Uh, Run catch versatility. One of the best inside runners in football. I mean, this dude is tougher than shoe leather. 
Like Josh Jacobs is going to land somewhere and he's going to help out an offense and, and maybe he'll land in a better spot. I don't know if he's going to be a workhorse or not, although he's shown he can handle a, a seriously heavy load, but um, he is going to help a team out somewhere. Like I'm, I'm still pretty high on him. If anyone is like tired of Josh Jacobs and wants to sell him, I'll, I'll buy. There were, there were rumors that he was interested in getting traded to the Ravens. Maybe the rumors for Derrick Henry too, at the trade deadline this year. So if that happens, I'll be very excited about Josh. Jacobs. <laughs> don't, don't you worry. Uh, Bogman, I want to ask, so you are the highest among the staff on Isaiah Pacheco, but you are the lowest by a lot on DeAndre Swift, much lower than consensus. I believe you have him RB 27. So not even yeah. close to where he is in ECR. Uh, is that, of the two, you feel stronger about Swift being ranked too high than Pacheco being ranked too low? Absolutely. 100%. I, I like Pacheco uh, for two reasons. Number one, he's a workhorse beast that is not going to go down. Uh, he's going to score a lot of touchdowns, and he's you know playing with Patrick Mahomes, which is just a great spot to be in. So in terms of skill, um, he's fine. But great offense, he's their guy. They're going to keep giving him the ball. I love it. And he's going to be there for a little bit. So I like him. DeAndre Swift is a unrestricted free agent this year, and I could see the Eagles going a completely different way. If they brought him back, I will raise him, right? But right now, he's going to be a free agent, and he is behind one of the best offensive lines in the league, and he finally produced. Uh, you know, he wasn't good with the Lions. We saw how good Montgomery and Gibbs are. So I don't know. I think his skill is kind of middling. He's a good back. I wouldn't call him a great back. Uh, he's had some injury stuff in the past as well. I'm just not really interested in DeAndre Swift. I think his value is way too high right now. I would probably try to go ahead and trade him and get what I can for him. Everybody knows I love going to games live, but I hate the process of buying tickets. It's always so confusing where the fees come in, what the view from the seats actually look like. If I can even trust the seller, it's all very complicated. That's why I love game time, because they think you shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. They're the fast and easy way to get to your next sports, music, comedy, or theater event, because they take the guesswork out of buying tickets. I had a great experience using game time last fall. I've told the story on the show show before. I went to see the O's in the playoffs when I was back east. The site was super easy to navigate. I had a question about the seller and GameTime's customer support team responded to me the morning of the game with a swift, clear answer to my question. My mom and I made the trek up to Baltimore without worrying about if we'd have any trouble getting into the game or not. The only trouble we had was the Orioles losing. That was terrible. Uh, GameTime is the only ticketing app that gives you peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. They're all in prices. Show your total upfront so you know you're getting a great deal before you check out and you can buy tickets in seconds with two taps so take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use code fantasy pros for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code f-a-n-t-a-s-y-p-r-o-s for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Boggs, we were talking before the show, and you took advantage of game time to go. You, you went up to me. I went to a you know a division series game. You went to the World Series. I did, and my team also lost to the Rangers. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we had a great time watching our teams lose to the Rangers. But, uh, yeah, game time made it happen. And, uh, awesome seats for the Welsh and I, and uh, took his son, too, got to experience uh, the World Series. So it was a great time, and I love game time. And like, like you said, Great app, and you can see exactly where your seats. The point of view, it's so good. I love it. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna hold them to. Uh, if the Orioles make it to a World Series game, that I want World Series tickets. So game time. I hope you're listening, and will uh, and will hook me up there. Uh, we know the Brewers aren't gonna make it, so Fitz will never have that opportunity. But <laughs> not now. The council's Ouch. gone. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, all right, let's let's move to the C tier here. Uh, this is RB16, Javante Williams, then Ramadre Stevenson, Tony Pollard, Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler, David Montgomery, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, and Nick Chubb. It runs from RB16 to RB25, if you weren't counting. Uh, Fitz, you are the lowest staff member on Ramadre, Austin Eckler, and Nick Chubb. Which of those three guys do you feel strongest about? Ramadre. Um, it, like his talent level, I think is just below the superstar threshold and it's not entirely clear what his role is going to be, but like, I, I'm still pretty optimistic that he's going to be, a, a, a like provide RB two 
fantasy value in 2024. Um, Eckler, I mean, like, I think the end is is nigh there. And Chubb, it's just, boy, I mean, a, a guy who had already had a major knee injury in his past and, and now has this. Like, I'm just concerned. I, I don't know if we see the same Nick Chubb when he's back. Yeah, I, I think it's fair kind of arguments against all three of them. I kind of expect to see those rankings get lower as the offseason goes on and as we start to see even more updates come in from experts around the industry on those three guys. So I think you're kind of spot on there. Bogman, you are the highest on Brian Robinson and you are way the highest on Najee Harris. I want to ask you about Harris because you are nine spots higher than anybody else on staff here. So why are you still a believer in Harris even after the Jalen Warren that we saw this year? Because Mike Tomlin is still the head coach, and I also am going to be low on Warren because I don't know how many touches he can handle, to be honest with you. He's, he's got a small frame. So Najee's had a 1,000 yards in each of his first three seasons. He's a 300-touch guy. Kenny Pickett is probably going to remain the quarterback of the Steelers after Mike Tomlin's uh, you know, press conference yesterday and talking about how he's staying and he's still – committed to Kenny and all that stuff. So this is going to be a run first offense with Najee being the a back and Warren being the B back. I don't think a ton is going to change in terms of usage. Hopefully a lot is going to change in terms of the offense. So look, maybe we get an offensive coordinator that comes in and says, yeah, look, we need to give the ball to Jalen Warren more. If that's the case, I will be, I will hop on the Jalen Warren uh, board because I do think he's probably maybe a little bit more skilled than, than Najee. At least he's way more explosive. We know that. Um, but Najee is just going to be fed the rock. We watched the last four or five games. It was all Najee, all running downhill. And they got behind the identity of this offensive line. I think that is what is going to be the basis of the Steelers offense next year and probably the next couple of years. So I think Najee is going to get the football a lot. So I'm still high on Najee because I think the workload is going to be there for him. Um, for Brian Robinson, I, I just I think this guy is a complete back. I think he's a step below, um, you know, like Josh Jacobs in terms of those Alabama backs and coming out. This dude can do everything. Washington has had issues on offense. Obviously the quarterback has been a problem. Sam Howell is Jekyll and Howell is what I called him all year long because some games he looked like an MVP and other games he looked like a rookie off the street. He was great and terrible. I think Antonio Gibson is gone. He's a free agent. I don't think he's coming back. I think, this team has a lot of positions to invest in outside of running back. So I think the money and draft capital is going to be spent on other spots. So I think Brian Robinson is going to see an increased workload this year. I think he can handle it. And I think he can be a three down back. So uh, I think he could jump off the page this year. I think he's coming at a value right now. So I'm going to be high on Robinson for sure. Fitz, this is kind of the tier of veterans. I mean, guys like Kamara, Eckler, Joe Mixon, who have been productive for a long time, you know, considering the position they play. Is this kind of the right area for veterans that are likely, you know, they're on the back nine of their career and probably aren't going to be as quite of productive, but there's not really the people to replace them yet? What's kind of the logic behind all these veterans kind of clumped together in this spot? Yeah, I mean, I kind it kind of makes sense to put those guys in this general region. And I think their value depends on where your dynasty team is and whether you're ready to win a championship now or if you're building. And if you're building, I, I don't think you want these guys on your roster and you should be putting up the for sale sign. And if you're um, if you think you're on the cusp of a, a trophy, these are probably the guys you want to go out and get and see if someone will take a second round draft pick for some of these guys. Bogman, the, the last guy I want to ask about in this tier is the guy at the top of the tier, Javante Williams. He's RB16 in ECR, but according to our staff, he's RB13, and every member of the staff has him ranked higher than RB16. So what is it that you think maybe the larger industry is missing on Javante that has us a few spots higher? I think there's I number one, I think Javante is one of the hardest guys to rank because, you know, he had the huge injury. Uh, he came back late this year. He kind he looked a little shaky to start. Then he looked good. And then he looked maybe a little shaky again. He kind of went with the offense. But I think being another year removed from knee surgery, uh, knowing what he was when he came in and knowing that Russell is gone, this team has to find a new quarterback, which means they're most likely to focus on the run game. I think it's a lot like 
the Najee and Jalen situation, except for next season for Denver, I feel like it's going to be Javante and Jaleel McLaughlin there. So I feel like in in this big committee of a run-first offense, it's going to be Javante at the top of it with Jaleel being the secondary kind of, you know, like I said, the Jalen Warren type of guy, the thunder and lightning, if you will, but they're both much closer to being just both good backs instead of thunder and lightning. Uh, I just think they're both going to get used a lot. Javante is going to be at the front of it. And I think if he looks better, he's going to be worth, you know, maybe even more than this. So I don't want to sell too low on him because he's still young. He's still very talented and it should be a run first offense. Yeah. To his point. Yeah. I I just want to jump in on Javante. I mean, like the, the, I don't think we saw the same explosive back that we saw at the beginning of his NFL career where, I mean, he had some of the highlight plays where he would have just tacklers. He was dragging guys for like 20, 25 yards. Like he was power, speed, shiftiness, the total package. Um, Hopefully we see more of that in 2024 because he didn't look 100% in 2023. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's all really reasonable. I I think, Bogman put it best, like he is one of the toughest guys to rank right now because I could so easily see this ranking going in both directions, you know, this time next year, depending on what happens this offseason and what happens this upcoming season. So I'm really curious to see where he winds up, honestly, both in terms of how he produces and what the industry makes of him as we go through the next couple of months. Let's move to the D tier here. This is 13 names. It's from RB26 to RB38. I'll just quickly read through them. Zach Charbonnet, Derek Henry, Aaron Jones, Tajay Spears, Jalen Warren, Roshan Johnson, James Conner, Kendra Miller, Khalil Herbert, Chuba Hubbard, Jerome Ford, Devin Singletary, and Raheem Mostert. So it's obviously a much bigger tier as we're getting here further down. Again, that runs from RB26, Zach Charbonnet, through RB38, Raheem Mostert. Our staff has lots of these guys as top 24 dynasty running backs. Guys like Charbonnet, Derek Henry, Tajay Spears, Jalen Warren. The staff rankings all have them higher than they are in the industry consensus. Bogman, you disagree on uh, Spears and Warren. You kind of hate them both. Yeah, it's not. And this is my joke. You know, oh, you have them below consensus. You must hate them. You know, so I don't I I love both these guys, to be honest with you. Uh, Warren just really impressed me this year. Um, The explosion, you know, the elusive rating, the missed tackles forced uh, the the, that fact. I think he was uh, fourth or fifth in receptions among running backs. He is a good back. He's just blocked by Najee, and I don't think a lot of that's going to change, which is why I have Najee ranked high. So, um, you know, he's over 200 touches this year, but I think that's probably where he's capped. And for Tennessee, obviously a new coaching uh, regime is going to come in here. Are they going to like Tyje? Is he going to be their guy? Are they going to go out and spend on a running back and bring someone else in? Because I think Tyje is uh, in the same boat as Jalen in the fact that he is a great running back but he's a guy that's probably capped somewhere around 200 touches. He did it at Tulane. There's a difference between Tulane and the NFL. And I think that he should probably be a little bit limited in his touches. I don't want to see him getting 20 to 25 a game because I think he will break down if he gets that. So for both these guys, they're both very skilled, both explosive backs that will put up huge numbers for you in some weeks, but there's other weeks where they may go by the wayside. So I just want them as RB3s, not as RB2s. It's it's not about Spears uh, not having one of his ACLs. Does that have anything <laughs> to do care. with it? No, because you're he not, ran You're fine. not worried about a Jay Ajayi-type career, where like one great season, and then he's out of I the mean, league two years later? I mean, look, that adds to my argument, Fitzy, but I don't so much care about that because he's proven he can do it without the ACL. So, you know, will he slow down quicker? Maybe, but I'm not even worried about that, especially if he is limited in his touches because it's less shots that he's going to have to take. So I just think that, you know, both those guys, you already have the big back uh, next to Jalen. And I think Tennessee, especially with the offense built around Derrick Henry, you either want to bring Derrick Henry back or you want someone like Derrick Henry to come in to not have to completely overhaul this already bad offense, unless you're just going to tank for a couple of years and rebuild it. And if that's the case, I'll move Tajay up because he'll have two to three good years of a lot of touches, right? Because it probably won't spend on a running back. But I think right now the goal should be to figure out the quarterback spot, fix the O-line, and get a big hulking back in there to take most of the carries and Tajay to be the change of pace guy. He can be the full workload guy. Maybe they go that way with him. It's just not how I would build it. So right now I have him as an RB3. 
And to the to the you know ACL point on Spears, like let's say you know for a fact that he's only going to give you two two and a half good years, and then is going to break down. For most running backs in Dynasty, you kind of take that like outside of the elite upper echelon. That's really all you can ask for. It's its position changes so much so quickly. Um, speaking of Derrick Henry, though, Fitz, you are the lowest on the staff on Derrick Henry. I think you're 10 spots lower than than Boggs is. Uh, where do you think Henry ends up? What backfield will he be you know, leading or a part of in a committee next year? And, and how will that impact your ranking on him? How about Dallas? Put him there. Let him be the early round, the early down thumper and let Tony Pollard go back to the role Tony Pollard had when Ezekiel Elliott was the early down thumper in Dallas. Um, I I could see him in Minnesota. Um, Boy, those two off the top of my head. Just say it for Wormley. Just say it for Wormley. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I guess the the Ravens. It's all what the Ravens are. We know the Ravens are going to add back somewhere, whether it's free agency or the draft. So I could could see Derrick Henry there. Yeah, he's going to Baltimore. I hate it, but he's going there. Like, (laughs) he wants to win a ring. He's tired of losing. Uh, Great offensive line, run first team. Uh, He won't have to have as many carries because Lamar will get some, and they'll have Mitchell as a change of pace guy. He's going to Baltimore, and he's going to score a million touchdowns, which is why I can't lower him. Uh, It's because, yes, I do think he is slowing down. I don't think we're going to see those explosive run over 13 guy runs from Derrick Henry, but he's still going to have double digit touchdowns probably no matter where he, he could, goes. he could take all those Gus Edwards short yardage touchdowns we saw this year. And also I think have a better More. yards per carry, just given the offensive line and the threat of Lamar, like, you know, opening up those holes. I think Henry would, absolutely feast in Baltimore. So I, I, it would be nice if it happens as long as the price is right, but we'll see. Um, I do want to ask about some of these rookies that are in this tier, particularly Kendra Miller and Roshan Johnson. Bogman, what kind of chances do you put on second year breakouts from those guys? I know obviously you have some degree of uh, affinity for Roshan. Yeah. I mean, Roshan is a Texas guy for sure. Um, what hurts that is Eberflu staying right. Um, and, what is this offense going to look like? If it's K- Cliff Kingsbury, then pfft, I don't know. Probably no <laughs> running back is going to matter, really. It's going to be Justin Fields and three wideouts, right? So um, I, I – Roshan, I feel like, can carry the bulk. I think he can do the job. He hasn't gotten a chance at it. He didn't get it at Texas because Bijan was there. He didn't really get it last year because he was banged up. Herbert was having a good game. They went with hot hand there. So I'm a little fearful that they'll do that again. But I think as a second year guy, he is going to push past Herbert and Foreman and probably whoever else they bring in in Chicago. So I still think there's a lot of upside for Roshan. Fitz, of those two, is Roshan the guy that you would agree has the better chance of a second year breakout? Yeah, I mean, he needs a clear runway as far as usage because I don't think Roshan is going to be all that explosive, but like he is sturdy and durable and has a versatile skill set. So I don't know how valuable he's going to be and how many times you're going to want to put him in your starting lineup if he's a committee back. But man, if he can, like, if he just gets the role mostly to himself anywhere, then yeah, I think he could be really valuable. Like Kendra Miller, we we know nothing more about than we did when he was coming in as a prospect. He is the proverbial new car that has not been driven off the lot yet. So he hasn't lost value yet. I suppose that's a good thing. We just have no idea what he can do. Yeah, uh, and Jamal Williams is still there, and yeah. Alvin Kamara yep. is still there, and the worst part, Dennis Allen is yeah. still there. So. <laughs> Uh, lastly, in this tier, just quickly, Fitz, uh, you are higher on both Singletary and Chuba Hubbard in this tier. Which of those two guys do you feel more passionate about? Oh, man. Like, it's hard to separate those two, Worm, because they, I've got them both ranked as Dynasty RB3. So it's not like I love those guys, but um, what they have in common is that both were perceived to be backups to start the 2023 season and wound up as lead backs. And part of that is because their respective teams were disenchanted with what they were getting from the starters, uh, Damian Pierce in Houston and Miles Sanders in Carolina. And those two teams recognized the value of these backups and gave them the chance to play a lead role. So I I don't think they are going to be long-term solutions for anyone. uh, And their time as lead backs is probably really short, but they're useful. They they showed how useful they could be. And, you know, I, I think they're certainly roster worthy and worth having for depth in your running back core. Um, you know, I just, 
it's hard to put them much higher than RB3 territory. Let's go to the F tier here. Final tier we'll be talking about today. From RB39 to RB49, we've got A.J. Dillon, Chase Brown, Damian Pierce, Tyler Algier, Alexander Madison, Miles Sanders, Antonio Gibson, J.K. Dobbins, Tank Bigsby, Gus Edwards, and Keaton Mitchell. Again, that's RB39, A.J. Dillon through RB49, Keaton Mitchell. Fitz, one of the guys at the top there, Chase Brown, you are the highest on by a mile. I know you've been a Chase Brown guy for a while. I remember listening to the show last year, you know, talking about rookie drafts, being you know intri- intrigued by Chase Brown and what he did at Illinois. So you're still, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid on him a bit. Yeah, what's not to like? Uh, when he got the chance, showed explosiveness, showed he was really good in the passing game. Um, and there is workhorse upside here because he handled a massive load at the University of Illinois, like where he was getting 30 carries He's in a, a lot of those games. Guy. Yep. Yeah. So I like if the Bengals were to decide, uh, they've grown tired of Joe Mixon and yeah, Joe Mixon has been good on the field, but sometimes uh, hasn't always been a model citizen off the field. And if the Bengals wanted to move on, I mean, I think they could definitely give Chase Brown an audition for a workhorse role. Yeah, he seems like one of those, not I'm saying that he's as good as or in the same situation or even stylistically the same, but it's almost similar to Kyron Williams where you have a guy who was a fifth round pick, like, oh, you know, late day three, do we really care about him that much? And then if he gets the opportunity, can shoulder a workload like that? Because we've actually seen Chase Brown do it, you know, a similar workload to what we saw Kyron get this year. Again, I'm not saying that Chase Brown is Kyron Williams. Um, I like that, though. I I like you pointing that out, Worm, because I think that is the correct mindset to have with Chase Brown. And Fitzy ranking him high is kind of signaling to you guys, look, uh, I like Chase Brown. If he gets a full run at this job, I think he can do it. And I'm, I'm in that boat, too. I do think he can do it if he gets that job. But... Joe Mixon already took one pay cut. I think he likes Cincinnati. I think they like having him. So I think that he may take the pay cut again and just want to stick with Cincinnati. And that stinks for Chase Brown. So I'm hoping that I'm wrong and they cut Mixon and we get to see Chase Brown unleashed here. But I don't think I'm going to be. I think they're going to stick with Mixon. It will surprise nobody to hear that. I want to talk about the Ravens backfield Uh, in this (laughs) tier. Three out of a four player stretch. J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Keaton Mitchell are RB46, RB48, and RB49. Um, Fitz, you are the lowest among the staff on Keaton Mitchell. And Bogman, you are the highest on J.K. Dobbins. And I think that's representative of this backfield could go a number of different directions. I think Fitz is right when he alluded to they will almost certainly add somebody. This is a team that loves that sort of like Justice Hill fourth round draft pick, like using one of those comp picks they always have to add a fresh, you know, running back. Keaton Mitchell looks amazing before he got hurt. J.K. Dobbins has been amazing the rare times he's been healthy. Gus Edwards, obviously, is a great fit in the offense, has been around forever, scores a ton of touchdowns. Like, Bogman, how do we make sense of this backfield for dynasty purposes? It's hard. You know, uh, we talked about Javante being a tough guy to rank. This backfield is tough to rank because, I mean, how long is Keaton Mitchell going to be out, right, Uh, with with the knee injury? Uh, We have no idea. So we know he's going to be back with the Ravens, but everybody else is a free agent. J.K. Dobbins is a free agent. Gus Edwards is a free agent. Uh, You know, Derrick Henry, all the rumors of him wanting to go and potentially taking a pay cut to go to Baltimore as a free agent. So uh, I don't know how this is going to work out. The only reason I have Dobbins at, you know, as high as I do is because he should be fully removed and ready to go this season. I don't know where he's going to play, but I would also like to see him maybe a little bit limited in his touches to let, to make him last longer because we know he can't carry a full workload. He hasn't stayed healthy. So he's also, a little one-dimensional, I understand that, but I do think he can be the main back for a team still and carry the ball 15 times for them. So I still believe in Dobbins a little bit, but that is a guy that I will fully admit could plummet if he takes longer to get back, if he remains unsigned. If the NFL shows signs that they're just out on Dobbins, I will also be out on Dobbins. But I think if he's healthy and signed somewhere, he'll be fine. But yeah, I mean, there's just not really a good way to solve this Ravens backfield because we know no matter who comes in or or comes back, Lamar is the main guy. Yeah, if you promised me like guaranteed health for Dobbins, he'd be 20 spots higher at least. I, yeah. I'm still a huge believer in what he can be. There's just no possible way you could trust that. The other name is 
Dalvin Cook, who is, you know, going to be 29 years old at the start of next season. We don't know how he's going to look in this 29 offense 29 going yet. on 49. He, he, yes, he's he not good. I'm not, like, <laughs> suggesting you go out and trade for Dalvin Cook, but just another name that they like reliable veterans. If he looks good during this playoff run that they hopefully go on, then that could just be another factor if they think they can bring him back cheaply. <laughs> Fitz, Fitz, you are lowest on Keaton Mitchell, and I want to ask you about sort of the backfield in general, but also – just the fit of getting a super speedy guy in this backfield worked so well. Mitchell was obviously the fastest running back we've seen in the backfield with Lamar, and that was awesome to watch. Baltimore is Chernobyl for running backs, and all these guys are radioactive, and you guys are out here with hazmat suits and Geiger counters, and I just want to be on a different continent away from all these guys. <laughs> like, J.K. Dobbins, two major injuries. Like, I'm, I'm done after two. Like, I don't think we're ever seeing the J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State come back. And explosiveness was Keaton Mitchell's calling card. Um, But what happens after the major injury? And, like, we know he's never going to be a guy who carries a heavy load because of how small he is. He's he's like, you know, HN light. So he just is never going to be a 20-touch guy. He needs that explosiveness, and will he still have it? Gus Edwards doesn't catch passes. I mean... Dalvin Cook, like, no thanks. I, I just don't even want him on my roster. So, uh, you know, you guys can uh, you guys can stay out here in radioactive land. I'm going to be somewhere else. We feel like the uh, – did you guys see the Chernobyl show? Uh, you I actually know. didn't. Yeah. Uh, I, did. I, I I understand what you're talking about here, Fitzy. I, you, you guys are the guys throwing the concrete slabs off the roof. Yeah, yeah. Uh, bare ass, right? Like, weren't those guys doing it naked <laughs> because of the, the heat or whatever, too? Like, uh, yeah. Look, I understand what you're talking about, but I just look at the other backs like – who am I putting Dobbins over that's so egregious? Khalil Herbert, maybe? Um, Chuba Hubbard? I don't know. I'm not going to buy into Chuba Hubbard. Well, I understand you not wanting him because of the knee injuries and you not believing in him being back, but let, I want to I see how the NFL responds. If he's a free agent forever and nobody signs him and he's not really making progress and all that stuff, okay, I, I'll lower him a decent amount below kind of these B-back type of guys that can still do the job, you know, the Devin Singletary's and stuff like that. But I, I don't know if the Ravens go, hey, Derrick Henry wants too much money. We can bring Dobbins back for cheap and he can be our guy for as long as he's going to go. And then we'll piece it together like we did this year with Gus Edwards and a bunch of free agents. Then I'm going to be back in on Dobbins. So I will wait and see how the NFL responds to him. Uh, look, I think your point about Mitchell and his speed is more than fair. So th- there's definitely, but he's also very young still, uh, you know, first big injury. Let, let's just, let's give him a chance to come back and see what he looks like. I need to make a quick point uh, so I don't actually get fired from the show. I am not recommending anybody roster Dalvin Cook. I'm just saying it's another name that could be thro- like just kind of muddy the waters a bit for the running backs we actually would care about. I am in no way saying, oh, he's a Raven. You might have to recommend recommend him. Please do not uh, you know, assume that's what I'm saying. Um, before we get I'm off this delete t- this email now, Wormley, so you can <laughs> yeah, stay on the yeah, show. It's yeah. fine. Before we get off this tier, uh, Bogman, any other guys we didn't mention that you just want to hit on, whether in this tier? I know, you know, at the top of the next tier is Ty Chandler. That's a guy you're highest on. Anybody that we didn't hit on that you want to just briefly touch on? I mean, I think Fitz and I are both probably really uh, interested to see where Antonio Gibson ends up because he was not properly utilized in Washington at all. So he's a little longer in the tooth now. I know he's not trustworthy to a lot of people. But he's a guy that could be a throw-in or maybe an add off the wire if he ends up in a good spot. And put him in Carolina, Fitz. You know, I think he's better than Chuba, right? Don't you? Yeah, I mean, he's got size. He's got speed. He's got pass-catching ability. It's just that, you know, he's the fumbling thing has haunted him. And Ron Rivera was always really quick to throw Antonio Gibson in fumble jail. So, yeah, he's interesting. Uh, Damian Pierce, too. Like, I'm going to be the truther on Damian Pierce, who goes down with the ship. Um, Maybe he's just not that good, but, like, there have been flashes. That guy runs hard, and, like, early in the season in 2023, when he was the lead guy, that offensive line was so ravaged by injuries. Like, I don't think anyone could have succeeded there. So I kind of want to see him get a mulligan after a a disappointing 2023. I'll I'll mention two other guys here, uh, just kind of beyond this tier. 
Uh, I want to handcuff Hall with the Banacanda because I do think there's upside with him. Uh, I don't think he's going to be on the field a lot because you can't take Brees Hall off, right? Kind of like Eli Mitchell with uh, San Francisco and Christian McCaffrey. Like, they're never taking CMC off the field, but if he gets hurt, you want Mitchell because he's a good back and they would give him the workload. I also kind of feel that way about Michael Carter uh, if he sticks with Arizona. If he sticks with Arizona and um, is backing up James Conner, you know, James Conner got through the year fairly healthy. It's not really a James Conner trait. So uh, I would like to uh, just be handcuffing those guys a little more than maybe some of the guys because those backs behind them have decent skill. And I love Ty Chandler, but Kevin O'Connell hates running the football and giving the football to running backs that don't fumble. He loved, you know, maybe that's where Antonio Gibson should go. You know, how many retreads did Alexander Madison get after fumbling this year? Maybe that's where Gibson should go. I don't know, but I I do like Ty Chandler's skill. And I think that, you know, there's other positions that Minnesota is going to need. So running back is going to be fairly low on their totem pole in terms of, you know, needs in the off season. So I think Ty Chandler could get another shot. I promised some rookie talk here at the end of the show, and it's a really interesting class. Last year, we had very obviously Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs at the top of the class. This year, that guy doesn't exist. If you look at early Superflex rookie mock drafts, it's all quarterbacks, wide receivers, Brock Bowers. It's late in the first, maybe even early into the second that you're looking at the first running back. So I want to ask you guys, who is RB1 in this class? Obviously, we had some guys not come out of college that we maybe expected to at the beginning of the season. Is it, you know, there's the Badger, Braylon Allen, there's Jonathan Brooks, so a couple of guys you guys are interested in. Who is RB1, Bogman? I mean, look, if Jonathan Brooks was healthy, it would be JB to me. No clue, no question in this group. Now, Travion Henderson, we wanted to come out went back with in a weird situation at Ohio State to split running back carries now with Quinchon Junkins, who's moving over there from Ole Miss. It's going to be weird. They're both very good, but Junkins is better. So I, I just thought that was a weird move for Travion Henderson to go back, but he wants to win a natty at Ohio State, so I get it. And then Rocket Sanders, I thought, was going to be uh, a big back, too, in this class who ended up going back to college. So like you said, Worm, that kind of put the brakes on the excitement for me for this class and digging in. I have liked these guys a little worse. I I gotta say, I think Blake Corum is going to be the first running back off the board. He's very, very good uh, running back from Michigan. You guys saw him in the natty. He wasn't the guy making those big explosive runs. That was Donovan Edwards, but he was your grinded out guy. He's a small back that um, is probably a little misused at Michigan. He can run inside. His vision is good, but I want him in space. I want him to kick it outside. I think, you know, a lot like Tony Pollard. I think he would be much better if you gave him the ball in space because he has all the moves. But he is a tough runner, a grinder. Like I said, a little bit undersized, which is concerning. But he's probably the top guy to me. Uh, After that, I like Bucky Irving out of Oregon. Uh, Kind of uh, another guy that is going to work better in space. Now he had some good inside runs because the Oregon center powers. Johnson is going to be the first center off the board, uh, a real road grader. He made open uh, spots for Bucky, but the more I watch a Bucky, the more I like him. Uh, My buddy CK, who I do an NFL draft show with over it in this league uh, mentioned James white, and I can't get it out of my head. Uh, He looks a lot like James white. He's going to be a big pass catcher. I feel like, um, Moving on below those guys, you know, like I said, uh, Jonathan Brooks tours ACL in November. So he decided to declare to rehab, um, you know, with whoever drafts him, but he's going to be a fifth or sixth round guy. He's going to be a grab and sash, but I mean, power back. He's a complete back and he didn't get a lot of love because Bijan was there and Roshan was there the year before. So we really didn't know what we were getting out of him this year. He was unbelievably impressive. Uh, Trey Benson from Florida state is super explosive. Here's the thing though. And a lot of people are going to like him more than me. He runs upright and he gets tackled too easy for me. So like to me, I really like him and he gets a burst but all I can see is Ronald Jones. If you guys remember Ronald Jones, who I was big on coming out of USC, he reminded me a little bit about uh, of Robert Smith, the old Minnesota Vikings running back. But it's like every time someone gets a hand on him, he goes down. I'm kind of seeing a little bit of that with uh, Trey Benson. And the last guy I really want to bring up here is Fitzy's guy, 
who I'm going to be a little bit lower on in um, Braylon Allen. Huge hulking back, but I mean, I just see A.J. Dillon 2.0, man. Like, he's just not, there's not enough burst there for him to do it at the NFL level, I don't think. Maybe he surprises me at the combine and runs an impressive 40, and uh, maybe I'll be a little bit more in, but he just really lacks that explosion that some of those other Wisconsin backs do. So there's other guys in here uh, that we will hit on more as we you know get deeper in the process. Will Shipley out of Clemson, Marshawn Lloyd out of USC. Uh, there's a lot of love for Ray Davis out of Kentucky. He's a great story. So there are there's some depth to this class, but there's nothing at the top end, and these seem like more role players than we do have like you know guys that are going to come in and carry the ball 20 times for their team. Fitz, I do want your opinion on Braylon Allen as a guy who watched him closer than anybody. As we say, this will not be the case on draft day, but as we stand here right now recording, he is a teenager. He is still only 19 years old. He will be 20 on draft day. He had such an early start through his career in Wisconsin. He is, I think, kind of fun to watch. I really like Braylon Allen, so I think I'm definitely higher on him than Bogman. And as uh, anybody listening will hear me say a lot going forward, if I disagree with Bogman, you should probably side with him. Uh, but I do like I do like Braylon Allen. And if he's like, you know, a third or fourth round pick, like two, again, like the Ravens, for example, a team with an obvious spot to fill that is a good running situation, I'm going to be really excited about a guy like that. But Fitz, obviously, you you know Braylon Allen better than anybody. What do you think about him? Yeah, I mean, they're going to be Jonathan Taylor comps. I don't think those are fair because I uh, Taylor's just a, a much better runner and always has been. And I like there might even be Derrick Henry comps. And the thing is, Braylon Allen is going to, going to go into the combine and Boggs. Like you might be underselling his explosion a little bit. Okay. Like I think he's going to run a really good forty time and get people super excited. They're going to look at the age, the fact that this guy weighs like two hundred and forty pounds and can move, but he doesn't really catch passes or at least not efficiently. Like he's kind of a zero in the passing game and dynasty leagues or PPR leagues after all, for the most part. And he gets dinged a lot for a bigger back. Like he is constantly coming off the field. So I think that's going to be kind of an issue because we, we never had that issue with Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin. We uh, certainly didn't have it with Derek Henry. So um, yeah, like he's not going to be my top guy. I think my top guy is probably going to be Blake Corum, but we are going to see a lot of shuffling and different dynasty analysts champion this year. Yeah. People are going to be championing different people throughout the process and I'll give you uh, our, our friend Dave Heilman, friend of the show, has organized the first uh, rookie mock that I'm taking part in right now. We're 16 picks in. No running backs taken yet. It's a super flex mock. We have not seen the first one come off the board yet. So I, I think that's the kind of draft it's going to be. I doubt we see one go in the first round of most super flex Can, can I ask you one thing here, Fitz? Uh, Braylon Allen or Roshan? Oh, God. At, at this point, Roshan, I think that that's what that's what I think, too. So that's kind of where I have Braylon Allen and kind of in that range. I think both similar type of backs, big hulking backs. I think, uh, you know, I think Roshan is maybe a little more explosive. Maybe Braylon Allen is, but kind of the same deal. You know, zero in the past yeah, game, good pass blockers fair. because of their size. Um, both, you know, obviously Allen has the years, though. So well, well. To to your yeah. point, also, the combine is going to be really important. So is landing spot. That's going to really determine yep. which and the of senior these guys. and interviews. You know, yeah. like there's going to be and, and what thing. round they actually get drafted in. If 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 a couple the guys O-line. are day two picks as opposed to fourth rounders, they're probably going to move up. I, I think more. Braylon Allen is so much different if he goes to Tennessee versus if he goes to Baltimore because yeah. of the O line. Very much so. Good point, Worm. Yeah, right. And uh, we'll, we'll get out of there on that. Um, thank you guys for letting me, you know, join in here for a fun conversation. I look forward to many more of these shows. I look forward to learning a lot on these shows and kind of helping me out. Fitz and I are in a work dynasty league together. So hopefully I can uh, pick his brain mm. and then take advantage of him in, in that <laughs> league as we move forward here. But for Bogman and Fitz, I'm Ryan Warmly. Everybody, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you again next time. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Football Podcast. If you love the show, the best free way to support us is by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at Fantasy Pros, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasypros.
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.